yourself to be a visitor. We are especially glad to have you and hope you'll stick around a little while after services and give us a chance to get to know you a little bit better. We've certainly had a blessed service today. The song service has been great. I appreciate the prayers offered on my behalf. And most of all, we appreciate your presence. Thank you. There are a lot of places you could be this morning, and you've chosen to be here and to worship God. You see on the screen the word light. And we all know what light is. Light shines or it illuminates an area, an object, things that we come in contact with. We use light all the time in our life. It would be very difficult for us to function without it. So we're used to light. But there is a particular kind of light that I'd like to talk about today. You know, God is light. I know that everybody here knows that. You've all read that. You're acquainted with it. But think about what that means. God is light. He brings illumination to everything. It's the widest application of illumination or light you will ever come in contact with. And through that light, we experience the blessings of God. We get to enjoy happiness. We find out what truth is. We get to experience all those blessings God intends for us to have. You know, we're going to start out with 1 John 1 and 5 today. We read, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That light shines continually on you and me. I pray that it shines continually in your heart and your spirit and your soul. But you know there's another verse in John 8 and 12 where we read, And then Jesus again said unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now that's not really a profound statement as far as we're concerned. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus is God, Jesus and God are part of the Godhead. That makes sense. Jesus is light. He came to the earth. He's the light of the world. You know, when the apostles asked him, to show them the Father. Remember what Jesus said? You've seen me, so you've seen the Father. I think it was John 14, about verse 9, I think. So Jesus is light. But notice what he says there at the end. We shall have the light of life. Now what do you think that means? When Jesus tells you you're going to have the light of life, what do you expect to receive from that? Does that mean that, you know, lights in your house are going to work better or something? I don't think so. That means that if you will walk with him, he will take care of your worldly, 
your spiritual, your temporal issues and problems. You can cast those cares at his feet and he will take care of them. Those things that trouble you, they'll be gone. But most of us don't choose to avail us of that blessing. We appreciate the joy and the peace and the understanding when things are going well and we enjoy that. We got it and it's great and we love it. When things go wrong and we've got some issues in our lives that are very challenging, we don't generally cast those burdens at Jesus' feet, do we? At least not initially. We may eventually when we finally become convinced that we can't handle it. But in most cases, I included, we take the approach of, it's a problem, I'll handle it. Let's get on with it. We don't really think too much about praying about it. And as a result, we don't get to experience the blessing that Jesus has promised us here when he said that we would have the light of life. And it would be a blessing to us in all we do and say. So if we don't enjoy that blessing to the fullest, we need to ask ourselves why. Let's look at Matthew 5 and 14. This is a pretty profound statement. You know, we've talked about God being light. Now we've talked about Jesus being light, but this is also Jesus speaking, and what is he saying here? Ye are the light of the world. Have you ever thought about that? God is light. Jesus has used the exact language here that he said. He was the light of the world. And now then he's declared that we are the light of the world. How can that be? How can you as I as mortal men and women and sinners be the light of this world. What kind of light are we if we're the light of this world? You know, we obey the gospel and we come up out of this watery grave of baptism and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. Every one of you should have felt that whenever you obeyed the gospel. If you didn't, Maybe your heart wasn't exactly where it needed to be. I pray that you did. But that Holy Ghost that dwells in you lights up your life. It lights up your spirit and your soul. Your spiritual batteries that are now turned on and are activated, God continues to charge up. And that causes your light to shine to all those around you. So how are we doing in this regard? Well, it's pretty easy to have your light shine when we're here with a bunch of believing Christians, isn't it? We're here worshiping God and we get to enjoy singing praises and going to God in prayer and remembering the sacrifice he made for us and hearing a message from his word. It's easy to shine brightly in this environment. What about when we leave here? When we step out 
into that world of darkness, that spiritual battlefield that is out there waiting for us, and each one of us steps into every day of our life. How's our light shining there? Does it kind of get dim? Maybe sometimes it even goes out. So what do you do to get it charged back up? You just throw in the towel and say, well, forget it. Maybe we say, I am so down and I am so depressed. This has been such a tough week. I don't feel like going to church, so I'm not. Brethren, let me tell you something. I am no different than anybody here, and I know that there are times in my weeks where by the time I get to Wednesday, I'm wrung out. I have never in my life been to a midweek service where I didn't get my spiritual batteries recharged. Never, not one time. And if you're not taking advantage of that, you're missing out on one of God's blessings. You need to join other Christians in fellowship and in worshiping God. Every opportunity you have. And it will make your spirit brighter. It will recharge your batteries and make your light so much brighter. It's very important that we avail ourselves of the blessing of God's family. And that's what we do when we come together and worship him. Let's look at 1 John 1 and 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. That's what we were just talking about, isn't it? What do you get out of the service? This morning, what have you gotten out of the service so far? I hope you have been renewed. I hope your soul and your spirit has been recharged in singing praises to God and going to him in prayer and remembering that he gave his son to pay the price for our sins. I hope that's some of the blessings you're getting out of being here this morning, but there are so many more. The fellowship we get to enjoy with each other. You can't put a price on that. To have the ability to sit and enjoy the company of your spiritual family is a blessing that 99% of the world will never know. You've got that. I hope you're using it to your advantage. If you don't experience any of that stuff, maybe you need to uh, check your heart and see what's going on. Because I can tell you, brother, you get out of something what you put into it. You get out of the worship service what you put into it. I hope you're investing your energy and all that you have in worshiping God and growing and recharging that spiritual battery that's in you. So that your light will be charged up and you'll be ready to go. Let's look at Psalms 119 and 109. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How much time do you spend in the word of God? 
You know, Jeff talked about last week, people spending time with social media versus time in the Bible. I'm an old guy, so I, I really don't count. I told him afterwards, my ratio of social media versus Bible time is probably about 1% to 99%. Because I just, I just don't do social media. I, of course, number one, my vision's not very good, but it, I've never been prone to go that way. I hope that you spend time in the Word of God every day. It doesn't happen by accident. If you go home with the attitude of, well, I'm going to do better than that, and I'm going to try to make sure that I study the Word of God, if you don't set a plan and you don't execute it, it's not going to happen, brother. I don't know when it's convenient for you to study the Word of God, Maybe study is a little more than what most of us are ready to take on at any one time. Maybe just read the Word of God. You've got it on your phone. At least I assume everybody here has it on your phone. And I know you spend time waiting for things to happen at work, at school, in your car, all these kind of places. Use it then. Make it a point that any time you have downtime, you're going to the Word of God and just read it. I would hope you would finally get to the point where you're dedicating some time at home, maybe when you first get up, when you go to bed, what, whatever, where you actually study the Word of God. You don't have to study it for an hour. Ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Read a couple of verses and actually contemplate what they mean and what they mean to you. The Word of God will recharge your life. The Word of God will give you strength, courage, assurance, confidence, resilience, all those things you need to go out onto this battlefield that Satan's prepared for all of us in his world of darkness and light it up. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be charged up And ready to go so that you can step out on Satan's battlefield and light it up. Are you prepared to do that? Can you do that? You know, if you think about the power of light, I'm sure everybody here has been in a dark place. Maybe you went to Carlsbad Cavern once or some other cave where they take you down in the bottom and they turn off all the light. And it is so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's so dark, you feel like you can cut it with a knife. There's nothing. That's total darkness. But you turn on a light in there, and what have you got? It shines everywhere. You turn on a whole bunch of lights, and it lights up the whole place. That's what you are in God's army. That's what God expects you to do when you step out on that battlefield of Satan in this world of darkness. That's what you're called to do as God's people. How are you doing? 1 Peter 2 and 9. You are a chosen generation. Now, have you ever thought about what that means? You are chosen by God. 
Think about that for a minute. You remember what Paul had to say about saints and conversion? He said, I planted, Apollos watered. Who gave the increase? God. That's right. God gave the increase because he chose you to become one of his children. You know, I can tell you, and everybody here that's done church work very long can tell you, we plant the seed, we water the seed, we do everything we can to cultivate and make that seed grow, but we can't make it happen. Only God can do that. God gives the increase, and he has chosen all of you to be a part of his kingdom. Every one of you. And when you came up out of that grave of baptism, your sins are washed away and the Holy Spirit is coming to dwell in you. And you are now part of God's army. Whether you want to be or not, you are. You are a chosen generation. God chose you for a reason. You're a royal priesthood and God has told us we are Kings and priests in his kingdom. We represent God here on earth as his children. You ever thought about that? The things you do represent God? That's who you are. That's what you do. We are a holy nation. God's church is that holy nation. Remember when Daniel interpreted that King Nebuchadnezzar had, what, four or 5,000 years ago? And he told him that little stone is going to come out of the mountain, and it's going to come down, and it's going to knock this statue down, and it's going to grow until it takes over the entire earth. Remember that? That's the kingdom of God. That's Christians. That's his church. And since the day of Pentecost, God's kingdom, his church, has existed on this earth. You are a part of that. You are part of Daniel's prophecy from four or 5,000 years ago. You ever thought of that? You're part of that. That should make you feel very important to God and his kingdom. Remember that. As you go forward, we, God's nation, God's church is a holy nation that will endure until he comes again. We're a peculiar people. What does that mean? That means we're not like everybody else. When we step out onto that battlefield, we're different. We're not going to be like 99% of the people out there. We're going to be zealous of good works. We're going to be shining our light in areas that are dark. When we're confronted with anger or irritations or that kind of thing, we're not going to react like some people do and blow up. 
You know, if you get cut off on the freeway, you're not going to take out after the guy blowing your horn trying to run him off the road. You're just going to smile and say, all right. Because that's not who you are. When you're at the coffee bar in your office and they're starting to talk about bad subjects, you're not going to sit there and smile and listen to that. Hopefully you're going to say, I don't need to hear that. And I'm sorry that you do. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. Take advantage of the opportunity you have to help others. And I know I've spoken about this a number of times over the years, but those people that come up to you and ask for help because they say they're hungry. And I know you're going to say they're just going to spend it on booze. That's all they're going to do. Maybe so. I, for one, make sure every time I give them a buck or two, I tell them it's in Jesus' name and God bless them. If they take it down to the liquor store and get another beer, okay. Maybe that little seed will grow someday. Who knows? But we show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thank God. That's our job. It's what we do. I hope you take advantage of this marvelous blessing. Matthew 5 and 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel or on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all the house. I hope that's what you do. Think about your light for a minute. Oh, maybe the better question would be think about your life. How does it reflect the light of God? Does it reflect the light of God? Does it reflect the light of Jesus? Or does your life and your light get covered under a bushel? It gets hidden but the trash and the garbage that surrounds you. Think about that. Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the way your light's supposed to shine. How does it shine in your house? How does it shine in the workplace? How does it shine with your neighbors? How does it shine to all those that know you? Because you know what, brethren? I dare say that everybody that knows you other than just as a fleeting acquaintance from some distance knows that you are a Christian. And they're watching. Don't think they're not. They're watching you all the time to see what makes you different. And if there's nothing making you different, Your light's gone out. And you need to think about that. You know, we go out onto that battlefield of darkness that Satan's prepared for us, and we let him put our light out. We're letting him steal our light. Take it away from us. Make us ineffective. Irrelevant. 
inconsequential. How do we do that? How do we let him do that? 2 Corinthians 11 and 14 says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Have you ever given any thought to that verse? You think people are looking at Satan's followers that are evil, wretched people, always going about doing bad and you know who we're talking about. You think anybody thinks those folks are angels of light? No. They know they're Satan's. He knows they're his. He's not worried about them. He's after you. Satan becomes an angel of light when we let him. You are the target audience for Satan. He's after everybody here. And he will use any tool he has. He will do anything he can to get you. Let's look at Isaiah 5 and 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We see this verse, or at least part of it, pretty regularly printed on billboards and signs and cards. You know, our society assaults us every day with all this sinful corruption that seems to have become so mainstream. And it has an effect on us, doesn't it? It makes us not consider all the things we do and all the things we're called to do. It affects our speech. Have you ever noticed how your speech may vary from audience to audience? Do you find that sometimes when you're out in the world with your Friends that you work with, that maybe your language becomes a little more coarse, a little more profane, because you fit in that way. You'd never do that here. Does that happen to you? Maybe it happens when you're just with your family because, you know, they're around us all. They know me, you know. So we find our, our speech becoming corrupted. We find our actions becoming corrupted as we do things when we think nobody's looking that we'd never do in front of your family here. Does that happen to you? We have in our society today, and I could the list could go on and on, but you all know the battle that's going on over abortion and killing babies. Do those people you come in contact with know where you stand on that? Or do you even have a stance on that? I pray that you do. And I pray that those that know you know where you stand and that you're ready to defend the creation of life is defined in this book. 
The nearest in vogue thing, I guess, that's going on is this gender, I don't want, I'll call it gender corruption. You know, God's told us there's men and there's women. That's it. There's two genders. And what has society decided? I heard this week it's like 50 or 60 different genders out there. Give me a break. The point is that there are only two. And it doesn't matter what man says. He's never going to change the fact that there's only two. But do you defend that? Biblical principle and truth. And I could go on and I'm not going to, but you got the idea. There are a lot of things happening in this world that we run into out here on this battlefield of Satan's that we're called on to address. And I'm not saying we need to get up in somebody's face and be antagonistic and try to beat them down, win the argument of the day or that sort of thing. We just need to quietly shine our light to all those we come in contact with and be sure that they are exposed to the fact that there's somebody out there that doesn't agree with that. There's somebody out there that actually reads the Bible and would be happy to read the Bible and share the Bible with you or them or whoever. Now, they may rebuff you and walk away and huff and be angry. Well... Okay. But at least they know where you stand. And that seed you plant may produce an increase sometime in the future. But one thing's for sure, if we don't take a stand, nothing's going to change. And then our light has been dimmed or put out. And they don't know who we are. Or worse, they claim they now know who we are and we're no different than they are. So what difference does it make? Verse 21 says, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. We justify our Positions in our actions to ourselves all the time, don't we? That's a, that's a product of human nature. We're always going to justify what we do to ourselves. Because we're wise. You know, I, don't, I didn't have time for that. I don't need to get in an argument with them. I don't need to, whatever. No, we're prudent in our own sight and we're wise in our own eyes. And... We accept those things that Satan throws at us, that God has placed us there on Satan's battlefield to shine light on. And now our light is dimmed or gone out. You know, when you find yourself faced with that conflict, just remember this you're now on the front lines on that battlefield. That's where it gets real. And that's where God expects you to shine. Don't accept those false premises, false facts, false science, 
I could go on and on in this realm too, but you got the idea. Know what God said, be prepared to defend it, and be sure that others know what God said. No, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light because we allow it to happen. Because we don't shine the light of God's glory in that area of darkness. Don't let that happen to you. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5. We are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. We are God's people. That's you, that's me, that's all. We're God's people. We are his light in this world. You know, we have the word of God. We know that Jesus walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. But now, who's it left up to? God's people. It's left up to you and I to be his light, to shine on that battlefield of darkness that Satan has prepared to confront us every day. God expects each of us to put on that armor of light and go out into the world and shine and do battle with those satanic ideas and positions that we run into. Maybe we need to put a sign up out here on the driveway so when you leave here, you read it, and it says you're now entering the battlefield of souls. Because that's what you're doing. That battlefield is there. Satan controls it, no doubt. He controls that battlefield. But God's light that only God's people can shine will beat it, and we will win souls for Christ by just living and doing what he expects us to do. Take stock of your life. If there are areas in your life where deceit or corruption or weakness has overtaken you or that you're not very consistent in, clean it up. Fix it. God's not going to leave you stranded by yourself. He will help you correct all those deficiencies, whatever they are. Look at Proverbs 4 and 8. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. That's who we want to be, isn't it? That's who God wants us to be. He wants us to grow every day. That our light will shine brighter every day. That we will have a better positive effect on those we come in contact with every day. If you were to poll or talk to your family, your friends, your co-workers about your light and your life, what would they say? Everybody here knows. 
You know your life. You know how you live. You know what's going on in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. What would they say? What would your families and friends say? More importantly, what would Jesus say about your life and your life? That's who counts. Reject darkness and recharge your light. Jesus has promised to do that for you through his word, through assembling together to worship him and enjoy the benefits of God's people. All of those things are here for us to enjoy. Do that. Make your life brighter, your heart brighter, your spirit brighter, and reflect that to everybody you come in contact with, especially out there in the world. That's Satan's domain out there. That's the battlefield out there. That's where God has called us to go and shine his light. Let's light it up. You can do that. Everybody here can do that. Light up that world of darkness and shine the light of God's glory everywhere you go. Revelations 22 and 5 And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. You know, this day's coming, brethren, for every one of us. When we will have fought our last battle out there on Satan's battlefield, and we stand before the Lord And as you hear Sammy saying his prayer so many times, we all want to hear that saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in. That's where we want to go. Let's try to take as many people with us as we can. Let's try to influence as many as we possibly can by shining the light of God out there on that battlefield of darkness. That concludes the message of the morning. If you think your life is not the way it ought to be, maybe your light has been dimmed or maybe even it's gone out, you know, God's promised us that prayer will renew us. And prayer will revive us and restore us. I hope you believe in prayer. Prayer is a very powerful tool God's given us. Use it. And if you need it, it's available for you to access the prayers of this whole family on your behalf. All you have to do is just let us know what we can do. If you've been sufficiently taught and you now desire to have the light of God shining in your life, Because you have determined that it's time for you to obey the gospel. That little voice you've been hearing and feeling in your heart of God kind of nudging you to step out and make that commitment. You know, God gives the increase, but we have to obey the call. If you're of either class, please come as we stand and sing. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, are you full?